1: Alright, welcome
0: to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie, figure out what other movies inspire it. But today on the show, we're not doing that. Today is a special episode where we are looking at the best movies of the year, in our opinion anyway. Uh, With me today are returning co-hosts Josh Bell and Jason Harris, and we will be counting down our 10 favorite movies of the year um, I want to remind you all to please make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and a whole bunch of other podcast apps. You can also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. So, uh, you know what, without any further ado, we got a long episode here, so we're going to get into all these movies. So, enjoy it, and thank you for an amazing year here at Piecing It Together. All right, so today on the show, we've got with us two of our returning co-hosts. We've got Josh Bell and Jason Harris. How are you guys doing?
2: We're doing well. Hey. <laughs> we're, we're, we're
1: sharing our mic here. Yeah. I'm not telling you which one I am.
2: <laughs> luckily, uh,
0: luckily, we don't have to do separation within the audio, or else you guys would just be like one big mishmash of a human. But yeah, I, I think it's going to work out quite it's well. It's like Brundle Fly yeah. in, in the podcast. Yeah. So uh, today, what we're doing is a uh, wrap up of the year, a top 10 list for all three of us. And we're going to go around in a circle doing top tens and get into all the movies that we like this year. So, um, you know, I'd say this is probably going to be a long conversation, so we might as well just jump right in. Um, why don't we, you know what, I hadn't decided who should go first. Anybody want to go first?
2: Should we fight for it? You can go first. If you want. <laughs> all <laughs> all right. Right. Well, that's good, because I was going to I was gonna lose that fight. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm a gentleman, if nothing. else.
2: <laughs> All right, so... Uh, this is Josh, by
1: the way.
2: Thank you, Jason. This is Josh. Uh, so my number 10 movie is Damsel from the Zellner brothers. I think it's it's their third or fourth feature. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a movie that a lot of people saw, I think. It didn't actually play here in Las Vegas. Uh, I saw it at the Las Vegas Film Festival, and it was out on demand as well. But um, And at the... the Screening I went to at the film festival, there were maybe 10 people there, and I think a third of them walked out. So (laughs) it was a polarizing film. But I I thought it was very, very funny. It's a Western, but it's kind of a deliberately confounding Western, starring, first half is starring Robert Pattinson as a sort of cowboy traveler who appears to be uh, tracking down his fiancée, played by Mia Wasikowska, and he enlists this uh, hapless preacher played by David Zellner, one of the directors to help him out. And then about halfway through the movie, you realize that that is not in fact what's happening. And when Mia Wasikowska shows up, and she's fantastic in this movie and very, very funny. And the movie completely shifts gears. And then it's a kind of buddy thing between her and David Zellner. And it's very dry humor, um, which maybe doesn't work for everyone. But I found it very entertaining and clever in the way it subverts the conventions of the Western and well acted. I liked it.
0: It's a movie I was really looking forward to and then didn't get to see because it didn't play here. I'm hoping to see it sometime soon. Obviously, coming off of Good Time, I was like on a Robert Pattinson kick, and so I was (laughs) looking forward to whatever he did next, you know? (laughs) Um, Did you see it, Jason? didn't, but the Zellner
2: brothers
1: did Goliath, right? Yeah, Goliath,
2: which uh, was paired at Sundance with a movie starring Jason Harris. That's right. I didn't even have to plug myself. (laughs) Josh
1: plugged the Mark, Tom Lawrence film. So uh, I I respect that pick because of my storied past with the Zellners. Nice.
0: I haven't seen it. (laughs) <laughs> well Jason why don't you go ahead and go
1: uh, my number 10 is also a western a Netflix film called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs nice. uh, by the Coen brothers I quite enjoyed it I thought it uh, it, uh, you know it was supposed to be a miniseries really it's six small six individual stories tied together in uh, wacky Coenese fashion oh, yeah. I thought they nailed the music and the tone and the camera work and a lot of people die uh, unforgivingly and it was just just a bunch of cohen fun i really liked it so i loved it too yeah. num- number 10 on my list I, i'll keep it tight
2: yeah i also like this movie
1: <laughs> <laughs> another
0: another movie i uh, didn't get to see in the theater because it didn't play here Oh, yeah. I, I'm mad at the future. I saw
1: it on my TV, and I was fun with
0: it. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I did see it in the theater and
0: yeah, you
2: also did. enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Well, I'm going to go bigger with my number 10. Um, mine is Ant-Man and the Wasp. I know this is a, a weird choice, okay? Um, but I think this movie is just pure fun from beginning to end. I think it is just just – it annoys me when Marvel people – write this movie off as not being worthy of the marvel cinematic universe i think it is just so much fun so exciting a lot of really great humor and uh i think it's great
1: it would have probably made my top 15 i had it on my short list so i'm with you on that Awesome. So
2: yeah i thought it was a lot of fun too i mean there was there were actually quite a few good superhero movies this year there were um, yeah. and maybe it wasn't my favorite superhero movie but i was very entertained and i agree marvel fans should not write it off yeah just because it's not blowing up universe. the entire universe yeah, exactly yeah. i think it's kind of refreshing like the
1: smaller stakes marvel yeah, yeah. movies you know yeah, yeah. So. absolutely
0: all right josh your next one
2: all right. Well, my number nine is a movie that we talked about here on the Piecing It Together podcast. Right. It's Never Going Back, which uh, I feel like I've I've been trying to like single handedly promote to the world uh, since I saw this movie. Um, it's just a very very funny stoner comedy from uh, writer director Augustine Frizell. It's her first feature. Uh, Great performances from Maya Mitchell and Camilla Marone as uh, these two teenage girl stoner friends who just want to take a vacation to the beach and everything stands in their way. It's very reminiscent of Superbad and Harold and Kumar and movies that were big successes. And this one really should have been, too. It's totally mainstream and accessible, but it has a lot of heart and a lot of great character development. So I don't know why A24 bungled releasing it, but I, I hope people watch it. I think it's on Amazon Prime.
0: I really hope people go find it, too.
1: I'm excited to watch it. Um, you know, uh, as Josh knows, I like these kind of, you know, buddy comedies. And a, a lot of, there have been a lot of good ones about like millennial women lately, I yeah. think. Like uh, Appropriate Behavior, which isn't a buddy comedy. but uh, And then uh, Fort Tilden, which is one of my all-time favorites. So uh, I'm excited uh, to watch that on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, my number nine is, and it's a good film, but I think it's because it was the only one of its type that I that really stood out to me this year is *Widows*. Um, Steve McQueen's kind of like slow burn heist thriller with twists and turns all about about the widows of murdered uh, robbers who have to perform a heist on their own. I thought again, uh, he just really set a nice pace. The twists worked for me, and obviously the performances are great. You know, so uh, I got that at number nine this year.
2: Yeah, I liked it as well. I think I think Dave didn't.
1: I did not like Widows. Yeah, I'm one of the few that
0: did not uh, like it. I, 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 it just didn't work for me in a lot of ways. But I know you're certainly not alone. A lot of people absolutely loved it.
1: Do you? I mean, so do you have a movie this year that was like kind of a slow burn heist movie? <laughs> Uh, a heist movie, any any yeah. type of heist or I mean, you know, I, I like American Animals was a heist movie. You know, yeah. yeah. There you go. That's yeah. what, that that would count. <laughs>
0: You're
2: off the hook there now. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs>
0: um, all right. Well, uh, my number nine is a movie that we uh, recorded an episode on me and Josh, and it hasn't come out yet. And I know he hated it, but I loved <laughs> it. Uh, and it is called Vox Lux. And uh, this is a movie that I saw a little over two weeks ago and a day has not gone by that I haven't thought about it. Um, I know it's a very polarizing film uh, about a... Uh a pop singer and how her life is uh, marred by tragedy from the beginning through her career and um, it, it's, it's a weird movie and it's very dark and it's not at all what the trailer suggested um, and so I'm assuming that's why a lot of people didn't really connect with it but for me it's just something that I love a movie that really just sticks with me and this is probably the one that stuck with me the most this year so far.
2: Yeah, I don't want to crap on your choice, yeah, but uh, <laughs> you are correct. I was not a fan of this film. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you—now we're going to need you as a uh, icebreaker. Yeah, right? there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my number eight pick, uh, appropriately for the number eight, is a movie I think that we all enjoyed a lot, which is Eighth Grade, Bo Burnham's nice. uh, coming-of-age story mm-hmm. starring Elsie Fisher as an extremely awkward uh young teenage girl navigating the transition from middle school to high school. Uh, great, great performance from her and just really honest and real and, and uncomfortable to watch at a lot of times, but but in a good way that, that makes you really empathize with her and feel what it's like to be that kind of teenager figuring out your life and not feeling like everything that you do is wrong so i think the pool party
0: scene is one of the best things this year one of the best scenes in the movies this year
2: i think you
1: i mean and i know at the end we're supposed to do our three scenes but like you could argue a few of those scenes the banana scene you know like um there's just a lot of good stuff that that's that's a great movie and um i do i've never been a fan of bo burnham as a comedian but i'm so excited to see what he does as a director going right. forward yeah um this definitely goes in there as like one of the all time great coming of age uh movies of people of middle school you know yeah that awkward light time in our lives absolutely absolutely
0: what's your uh, next one
1: my number eight is the favorite uh i saw it just yesterday and uh Man, I was taken in right from the go. Um, the three women are just all incredible in there. Um, I know Olivia Clark is getting Coleman. Olivia Coleman, sorry, yeah. is getting a ton of Oscar Buzz, but I thought Rachel Weiss really carried that movie. Like oh, yeah. she's awesome. And um just the uh the camera work is uh probably my favorite of the year because it added so much to the tension of the story and mm-hmm. everything. I thought the humor really worked. Uh, well, uh, the one knock on it I have is it's, you could kind of see they wrote themselves into a corner and we're just like, meh, here's an <laughs> ending, but that's, you know, kind of what homie does at it. You can pronounce his name.
2: Oh, y- Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah. yeah. Well, he didn't, he didn't write this one. This is the first movie he made that he didn't write the screen. Yeah. But, um, yes.
1: So that would be the knock is like, it's like very not, um surreal very not surreal very like almost linear and then the end is like what what uh, you know what kind of happened here <laughs> but i really liked the movie and uh as we were talking about before we got on the air uh, the music was fantastic oh, yeah. one and of the, my favorites this year yeah Square. so between performance music and um just the look of um the actual set design was gorgeous too so yeah that uh, comes in at number eight for me the favorite right on yeah it's like around 12 or 13 for me like
0: i loved it too it was really great
2: yeah, I liked it. I think not as much maybe as you guys did, but I did. The performance is definitely excellent. And Olivia Colman, who has like always been great, it's I'm happy to see her getting wider recognition because she's oh, yeah. really good and very versatile.
1: I think all three of those women, I'd be happy yeah. if any of them got nominated or won for their work.
2: Hey, and let's not forget Nicholas
1: Holt, too. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's who hilarious. always he's sucks. And so.
2: he's really good in this movie. <laughs>
0: um, right on Well, my uh, number eight is another love it or hate it type of movie, and that is Mandy. Um, The Nicolas Cage uh, freak out movie. (laughs) Um, It is definitely a a weird one. It's definitely a movie that if you're not into that kind of a thing of just, you know, watching kind of insanity (laughs) unfold on screen, it's probably not going to be for you. But uh, there's been a lot of movies over the years that promised Nicolas Cage at his most insane. And this is the only time I think it's actually delivered. And uh, as a Nicolas Cage fan, I'm glad to see it happen.
2: I wasn't a fan of Mandy. <laughs> uh, and that is all I will say. But there were, d- there was at least one other crazy Nicolas Cage movie this year, which I also didn't really care for, but in Mom, Mom and Dad? Dad. And he kind of, he I goes hated pretty. Mom and Dad, though. Yeah. I liked it more than Mandy, probably. Wow, but really? uh, I didn't really like either one.
1: Yeah. Well, I didn't see it, but I. Think you guys have covered like literally every reaction that I've got people. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's uh, either end, yeah. You know, but uh, hopefully Nicholas Cage is like charting out this new VOD career of like <laughs> what we would have considered in the '90s, like straight to video Seagal stuff or whatnot. And, right. You know, we could see more of his kitschy work going
2: forward. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think both of those movies are a little above. Like, he also made, like, six of those Seagal-style thrillers <laughs> yeah, this year yeah. that nobody cared about. But those are him working with, like, slightly elevated, you know, artistic auteurs. And I know he's supposed to do a movie with Sayan Sono, who's, uh, like, a Japanese, I believe, director. Yeah, yeah. Whose movies are just, like, S- you think Mandy is crazy. His yeah. movies are, like, <laughs> even crazier. And so I don't know what the heck he's going to end up doing in one uh, of those wait. movies. Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> um so we're on seven yes. yes okay so my number seven pick is another movie i think we all liked is first reformed starring yes. ethan hawk uh in one of the best performances this year yeah. as uh, a pastor who is having sort of an existential crisis yeah. after he uh can uh encounters an environmental activist and his wife played uh by amanda seyfried who i think also is really good in this movie and and ethan hawk is getting so much attention but she is also really, really good. And the way they play off each other, it's intense and weird and kind of beautiful. Um, it has one of the oddest endings of any movie <laughs> this year. That definitely left me perplexed, but but I kept thinking about it. Like you're talking about with Vox Lux, I kind of came out thinking, what? But then I just kept thinking about it, and, and it really stayed with me, and I liked it a lot.
1: Um, I agree with everything you said. Paul Schrader at his best, I'd say. As oh, a, yeah. Writer director on this one, Um, and then I thought the ending worked because um, there's so much in the story of how he became, um, you know, how he came became a man of the cloth that, and all the struggles that led to it. That it really worked for me, and like, yeah, dude, just give just give him the Academy Award right now. (laughs) Yes, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, my number seven, Spider-Man into the Spider Verse, man. All (laughs) All right. Um, this is uh, when I was making a list of like the stories of the year. This has been the year that superhero movies became awesome again because like <laughs> so many of them uh, just took bigger risks, focused on the storytelling, uh, were less about just um, traditional beats or or weren't afraid to kill people off. And this is a comic book movie that looks like a living comic book. The animation's awesome. The t- it's it's really funny. It's really fun, and it opens up this world of tons of spider man that we may or may not see going forward. I know it's uh, Lord and Miller produced and you know, they kind of own the comedy action genre right now. And, uh, dude, I loved it. I want to go see it again.
2: Yeah, I liked it a lot as well. It was very fun. That would probably be my favorite superhero movie this year.
1: Yeah, definitely towards the top. I mean, I think if I
0: was more of a comic book guy, I'd have probably seen it like six times by now. Mm -hmm. It's it's so much fun. It
1: just looks so cool too. Even if you're not a comic book guy, you can get immersed in the look. Yeah, absolutely. The feel and uh, it just all um, a lot of those action sequences are just really just a blast to watch and everything.
0: All right. Well, uh, my number seven is one that's probably not going to be on a lot of end of year lists, but uh, I loved it, and that's that's it's for me. Uh, Alpha. Um, I don't know if either of you guys actually saw Alpha. Um, it was a big surprise for me. It was a movie that when it first the first trailer came out, I was like, all right, this looks maybe good, but probably bad. Second trailer came out, and I was like, okay, this looks terrible. And then it like got delayed for like a year, and it was like kind of a joke. Is this ever going to come out? and then it came out and it's just like one of the most beautiful awesome movies I've seen in so long it's uh, it's almost like a uh, more family friendly apocalypto in a way it's like set in an ancient is zone. that even possible yeah I know right it's like it's like just this story of survival and and, uh, and this this kid and, and a wolf it's so, supposedly the story of uh, when humans and wolves first became friends and Dogs. yeah exactly um, which very is very family friendly yes yeah, clear bullshit but uh, at the same time just beautiful and exciting and fun and uh, and really just an amazing IMAX film, really,
1: when it comes down to it. What I'm enjoying is, like, it, Josh's, you know, very critics-driven list, it feels like. Uh-huh. uh I think I'm, like, a guy who sees a lot of movies lists, uh-huh. and yours is, like... Uh, Crazy man who has his own <laughs> section in the video <laughs> store list,
2: like Dave's picks list or whatnot. I'll take so. it. I'll take
1: it.
0: So. I'll take it. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: yeah, I didn't. I didn't see Alpha, but uh, I probably won't. Yeah, uh, maybe yeah. I will. Maybe we'll not in IMAX though. Days.
1: I will the next time I take my wolf girlfriend. Out
2: of the day. <laughs> uh okay. Uh, so my my number six pick is another movie I think that we all liked, which is uh, Leave No Trace. Deborah Granick's uh, Father Daughter. Story starring Ben Foster as a PTSD afflicted veteran and Thomasin McKenzie, who is just fantastic. Uh, you know, talking about like Elsie Fisher and young performers this year, yeah. she's just as good oh, yeah. um, in this movie as his daughter, who basically has to take care of him and uh, kind of become his parent as he forces them to live out in the woods and they're trying to avoid the cops and the authorities. And she's trying to kind of cobble together this normal life and and allow him to be the way he needs to be and it's just very intense performances and ben foster i don't always like i think he's like too intense most of the time (laughs) but but he he works really well in this movie and it's just it's got a lot of gorgeous moments of them kind of just being in nature and uh it's just a lovely story i liked it a lot
1: well deborah granick you think back to winter's bone right you think of uh uh, star-making performance for a young actress in Jennifer Lawrence, which Absolutely. I think we agree with on yeah. this one, too. And then also um, her use of scenery to capture the story and um, the environment to propel a uh, story forward. Like, nobody does it better than her, and she did it in Winter's Bone and She did it in Leave No Trace. Great movie. Beautiful yeah. movie. Um, number six for me, uh, A Star is Born. Which I wasn't, I had no real expectations going in. I thought it was going to be a little too weepy and sentimental. But like, man, they just hit that thing out of the park. I thought Bradley Cooper did a great job of directing. I thought all the performances were right on. I hope Sam Elliott gets a nod for his work there. And uh, yeah, just all the way through, just a um, really, really fine film. And I think that opening sequence, which was probably like a half hour long of the first night that the two of them meet is like, man, that's a rocket booster right off the bat. It draws you in and it keeps you there. So good. Yeah. So, um, that's my pick right on.
2: Yeah. I, I, I also liked it. I thought it's probably the, uh, second best, uh, a star is born. And, uh, yeah, the performances. I, I couldn't quite get past Bradley Cooper's, like, Christian Bale Batman voice <laughs> in this movie. It kind of tripped me up a little. But, uh, but yeah, overall, the music, uh, the emotional way the story draws you in, I, I definitely liked it a lot.
1: And if you wanted to shoot just concert videos, he would have a future in that. Yeah, yeah the That's performance said, sequences so, yeah. are really good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh,
0: number six is A Star is Born for me as well. And I actually have written down, hit it out of the park. So, I mean, you basically <laughs> said what I... Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I, you know, also as a musician, like... I, I did find it kind of funny that he uh, wrote the uh, arrangement for Shallow just after hearing it drunkenly, just the chorus in the parking lot. But it still works, you know what I mean? It's just so good that it still works anyway. Um, but, and you know, aside from it being a great movie, it also is probably my most listened to album this year. I actually really like the uh, soundtrack a lot.
2: Yeah, I've listened to it also a number of times, and I like Lady Gaga a lot, so I was kind of inclined to enjoy it. But even yeah. the the Bradley Cooper like country rock songs on there are oh, quite
0: good. They're really good. My, yeah. one of
2: my favorite artists, Jason Isbell, wrote one of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: All right, so that yeah, that's my number six. So we'll go back to you, Josh.
2: All right. Well, my number five pick is another Natalie Portman movie. Uh, it's Annihilation, the uh, Alex Garland sci-fi freak out from way early in the year. Um, which I think I saw in you know, like February whenever it came out and it was like, oh, this is the number one movie of the year uh, on my list of one movies of the year. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, But but it's it stayed on my list, obviously. And uh, I think it's just, it's beautiful and really creepy and haunting um, and very well acted from Natalie Portman and uh, Tessa Thompson and Gina Rodriguez and uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, a great cast of women in this movie. And it, 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 Unsettles you and you never quite know what's going on, but that's what's so scary about it. So I liked it. I read the book, which is very different Mm -hmm. and is unsettling and creepy in its own way. But I think Alex Garland really puts his own stamp on it uh, as a film.
1: I think that was the first movie I saw with Movie Pass. Oh, <laughs> Movie All right. <laughs> Which is its own, <laughs> its own podcast. <laughs> and uh, probably you will get some type of, uh, you know, remember when treatment at some point. <laughs> Mine in time. was Nocturnal Animals. There you go. There we go. Yeah.
0: No, Annihilation was the first episode of piecing it together. Ah. Um, I was a little disappointed in it. But, you know, it's funny that as the year has gone by, I, I have no intention of revisiting it really, but it's kind of raised in my opinion over the year as i've continued to think about it
1: a little bit and i feel exactly the same as when i saw it i thought it was good but i loved ex machina so much that like it just didn't the ex machina is definitely better I I, I, yeah
2: yeah
1: uh so number five for me i don't know if you guys have heard of this movie It's called The Avengers Infinity War, (laughs) (laughs) which which is my favorite superhero movie of the year. And like you said, uh, Ant-Man could have been on there. I think Deadpool could have been on there. Everyone loves Black Panther. That could have been on there. But Avengers Infinity War, man, everything you want from a summer blockbuster. the, uh, The crazy action sequences against Thanos are awesome. The super dark ending is fantastic. If they just cut the whole series right now i'd be, I'd be really happy <laughs> but i also like that thanos is like um a well-drawn villain you know like right, he's got yeah. he's got emotions and he's got like doubts and you know fears and all these different things and uh just just um you know if this like uh, all the avengers are fun and decent but this one like just next level stuff right here absolutely it
0: also did an amazing job of uh, balancing so many characters um which is, for that many people, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty commendable.
2: Yeah, I didn't like it as much as you guys did. I thought it was maybe it was like watching a whole season of a TV show in two hours. It was maybe a little too much for me. But I agree with what you're saying about the villain. And I thought Marvel did a really good job of that this year, which they've done poorly in the past. And that not only Thanos, but Killmonger and Black Panther and Ghost and Ant-Man and the Wasp Mm -hmm. are all villains that you can really understand and sympathize with that aren't just this kind of like generic, like obstacle in the hero's way, but are real, fully realized characters. I like that a lot.
0: Absolutely um all right my number five is searching uh which was definitely one of the biggest surprises of the year for me um you know i the whole idea of that kind of uh you know i I hate to call it gimmick because i loved it so much real screen yeah but that that like i when i first saw the trailer i was like you know this is absolutely a movie i don't even intend to see uh because of that but then uh you know i saw some good reviews and i you know ended up taking the chance on it and i mean there's really not many movies that, you know, hit me as hard as this one. I mean, emotionally, it's also just an incredibly great mystery, some great performances, <laughs> um, and it uses that whole thing to just such uh, amazing effect in so many different ways.
1: So that thing you're talking about, just in case people haven't seen it, is it's called a real screen movie, right? S-
2: screen, screen Life, I think, is what screen they call life. it. Yeah, What's yeah. a real screen, then? I don't know. But Screen Life is what the the Timur Bekmambetov, the producer oh. who, like produces those movies that's what he calls it well yeah.
1: I got nothing man. Okay. but basically it's John Cho on a computer and different social media sites yeah. and um, different forms of technology searching for his missing daughter and uh, yeah it's a good movie and man John Cho's making some good choices lately oh, yeah. yeah John
2: Cho is excellent in that movie I liked it a lot too and um, especially his performance I I mean there's no way that'll happen but it would be amazing if he got like an Oscar nomination oh, for that would be beautiful. Movie. yeah <laughs> uh, okay number four My number four pick is a movie that um, isn't opening here in Las Vegas until the end of January, but I saw it already. Uh, It's uh, Pavel Pavlikowski's Cold War, um, which I actually have seen like one and three quarters times already because it was just phenomenal. And I saw it in the theater, and it looks amazing, like his movie Ida from a few years ago. If people have seen that, it's in this gorgeous, gorgeous black and white uh, in the Academy ratio. And just like every shot, you could, you know, pause it and print it out and frame it and put it on an art gallery wall. It just looks amazing. Um, But also the story, which is a romance between these two musicians... Uh, kind of back and forth across the Iron Curtain during the Cold War, and mainly in the 1950s, um, is incredibly beautiful and emotional and well-acted. Joanna Kulig, especially, who plays uh, Zula, the singer, uh, is just heartbreaking. And the way their relationship goes back and forth, um, it, it constantly, it just draws you in at every single moment. Um, and uh, I, I loved it. It's like less than 90 minutes, and it gives you like an entire lifetime's worth of emotions.
1: And it's based on Pavel Kowski's parents.
2: Yeah, I think very loosely. Because, well, if you see this movie and you get to the end, you're like, well, this couldn't possibly be based on his parents. But it's, yeah, inspired at least by them. Yes. I'm just glad to hear
1: that it's opening here. That's uh, great news.
2: January 25th.
1: Nice. Awesome. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I haven't seen it yet, obviously. Uh, My number four, Josh already brought it up. Eighth grade. Loved it. just, just another great under, uh, you know, a 95-minute movie that really tells a good story and takes you on a full journey with a character from a beginning to an end point. Absolutely.
0: Agree. Uh, my number four is Eighth Grade.
1: So I'll continue <laughs> that uh that theme
0: there. Uh yeah, also we hadn't mentioned it in either of us but uh, Gabe uh Jake Ryan's character at the end of the movie yeah. uh so funny what, what a character that kid is. Um and uh but yeah, everything that we've said about it so far. I mean, what a great movie.
2: So so yeah.
1: far that's the first movie that's been on all three of us. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a it's
2: an excellent film. Josh yeah. Hamilton also as the dad. Oh, he's Very great. good in this he's movie. Great. Um and you can feel for it just as much as you can feel for Kayla, I think you can feel for the Dad character oh, and what yeah. he's going through as well, well,
1: yeah. And there's a scene where, um, I'm a single dad, you know, and there's a scene where Kayla, um very uncertain of herself and has been through a lot, starts to question her dad about her worth and like just the uh, how he reinforces what she means to him. I'm like crying in a the theater by myself, <laughs> and like, hope I don't have to go through with that. um, you know, hopefully. Uh, all of our children have their value uh, known, but like, man, he, it was, it was a very memorable scene and oh, yeah. I'm a cry baby. All right. <laughs> but not in star is born. I didn't cry once. Yeah. Okay.
2: So. Um, thank you for <laughs> <laughs> assuring we us of that. <laughs> um. So my number three pick is uh, another Netflix film that, and I did not see this in theater. I watched at home uh, is the kindergarten teacher starring Maggie Hall in just, an outstanding, outstanding performance. I think in, in in a way similar to Ethan Hawke in First Reformed, where it's this character who's like on the edge the whole time and about to fall apart. And especially in this movie, you watch and everything she does, basically, you're like, oh, my God, stop. Don't. What are you doing? <laughs> She's like makes the worst possible choices. Um, but at the same time, it's such an uh, an empathetic performance that you always understand how and why this is happening even as you want it to stop um and she plays a kindergarten teacher who becomes kind of obsessed with one of her students who's this poetry prodigy and takes that what what could be a nice nurturing of his talent into a way too far place and the movie gets very uncomfortable but is just is mesmerizing it's 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 fascinating and it makes you feel sort of sad about the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, even though you understand why what she's doing is wrong. There's, there's a, a, a part of the movie that, that gets you in her head as to why she would do it. So anyway, it's on Netflix so people can watch it now. And I hope they do.
1: Um, I didn't see it, but I know Dave uh, has this ban on watching movies. in Netflix. He wants to <laughs> see it but my, my counterpoint to that would be sure something like Buster Scruggs might get made. Cause it's the Coen brothers movie. But where is this movie going to get made if not for Netflix? Because these lower budget, like risk taking adult movies, uh, dramas, even comedies like are ending up on Netflix. So I'm happy that they're there. Sure. Absolutely. Although there
0: are plenty of movies like this getting made. But yeah, no, I really want to see it. And I will break my Netflix uh, boycott to watch it soon because I've been wanting to watch it. (laughs) Do you just boycott Netflix? or No, no. It's all VOD everything. Okay, I just like watching movies in the theater better.
2: Yeah. I mean, I like watching movies in the theater. And this movie, just for example, like did play at Sundance and I think maybe some other festivals. And unfortunately, movies like this sometimes the only way to see them now in sure. a theater is to go to a film festival.
1: You know what? Yeah. Like, you, you know, yesterday, so I have the AMC pass, right. And mm-hmm. I was going to go see the favorite at one forty, and I checked the day before and it was on there. And then they canceled that screening yesterday. So we ended up at the colonnade at uh, the same time. And that theater is garbage. And I would much rather sit at my home, watch a movie on my nice big screen TV, pause it when I have to take pee breaks and like see a movie comfortably than sit in a cramped row that uh, the theater owners haven't fixed in 15 years, seeing reflections of chairs on this screen. The Colonnade
2: is kind of a shitty theater, I'll
1: give you
2: that. <laughs> yeah, you want to see a movie in a good theater, certainly. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, I would have seen this movie, uh, or any movie that I saw at home, I think I would have seen it in theater if I had a chance to. Sure. So number three for me, talked about already, First Reformed. Uh, watched it
1: one night at my house, and uh, <laughs> I was just like home alone. Um, you know, I whatever had nothing to do, and I popped it on, and I'm like, man, just drawn in from from moment one, and uh, just. Watch, watch first Reformed. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah great I, I just
0: rewatched it uh, at home the other day, and uh, yeah, it, it held up as much as when I first saw it earlier this uh, year. I, it's so good. I also
1: think the fact that like so much of it takes place in the winter for some reason, like it adds a lot to the mood of the whole thing. It's just, just sure. really nice film. Right on.
0: Uh, my number three is an action movie. It's, uh, I think, the action movie this year, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Mission Impossible: Fallout which I think is, uh, the fourth one is still my favorite. Um, but this is easily the second best one as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it's also the best version of the music of the score. Um, the, the score is just absolutely through the roof as far as I'm concerned with this movie and, uh, some of the best, uh, action scenes and and set pieces that I've seen in, in this franchise or in any action movie in recent history. Um, the uh all the, the crazy stuff that Tom Cruise does in this movie is just it's just insane. <laughs> it's uh it's just an awesome movie. Did did you guys enjoy
2: it? Uh I know I know Jason loved it. I yeah. love that movie, yeah. yeah. Um and I, I liked it. I think and I like the Mission Impossible Mission Impossible movies a lot. I think I agree with you that the fourth one, Brad Bird's film, is the yeah. best one. Um and as much as I like them and as much as this one does all the stuff that the Mission Impossible movies do well, mm-hmm. I think I may be at the point now where I'm like, okay, they've kind of done everything that they're going to do. They're not going to top it. And I liked that each one had a different director and had a slightly different tone and bringing yeah. Chris McQuarrie back. Not that he didn't do a good job, but I just, I, just, it felt more like an extension of the fifth movie right. than like a sort of reinvention, which the previous ones had been. So I liked it and maybe it is the action movie, of the year. I'm not sure what would uh, top it, but um I wasn't as crazy about it as as, as I think you guys were. I
0: yeah. I do think it would make a great uh end for the ser- the series. Um it would be great if they went out on top with this one.
1: Well, they won't. Yeah, I, know, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> and, Macquarie and Tom Cruise are like, you know, Yeah, they're best
2: buds. They're bromance. Yeah. So they're
1: he's he's tied to him for and he became tied to him on one of those Mission Impossible movies where he was basically like the producer liaison between Cruz and the studio or the director. So he's in, he's in it to win it, man. So g- good film. Good film. Right um, now.
2: Oh, it's my turn, huh? Number yes. two. Number two for me is disobedience. Uh, mm. And speaking of Rachel Vice in the favorite and which she's great in, and she is also great in this movie that hasn't gotten her as much attention, but she's uh, done some excellent work this year uh, with, uh, with her and Rachel McAdams. As uh, lesbian lovers in the Orthodox Jewish community in London, um, kind of uh, unexpectedly being reunited uh, after one of them has moved away out of the community uh, to New York and kind of uh, given up on the whole uh, religion. And uh, her father dies and she comes back, discovers that her former best friend slash lover is now uh, married to her, uh, I believe it's her cousin. And so it's this forbidden romance, which is very, very well Uh, drawn and it's not salacious, even though there is an excellent uh, love scene in this film that um, a lot of people uh, noted. Um, but, uh, But I mean, it's far more than that. And it's a slow build when you gradually understand their relationship and the history between the two of them. Um, and it really like gives you a full sense of this community. I mean it's a yeah. it's a great like LGBT movie, but it's also a great Jewish movie sure. Um, and I think one of the things that I like most about this movie is that the character of the man who's kind of standing in their way, uh, who's now be- gotten married to Rachel McAdams character played by Alessandro Novola, is not anything what you expect that character to to be where he would just be this kind of like obstacle and he's the symbol of the patriarchy and he's really torn between, wanting to uphold these values in his community and really caring about his wife and wanting her to be happy, even if that means he has to let her go. So just very well acted, very emotional. I think that's kind of, you know, going along like with Cold War, these these sweeping romance movies I've enjoyed a lot this year.
0: It's a great movie. I uh, I remember earlier in the year, it seemed like it was going to have a lot more of a conversation to come the end of the year with awards, but it doesn't seem to be. It's funny. It seems like uh, Rachel McAdams is getting more attention for Game
2: Night than anything. Yeah, which, which I really dislike, but I, I people love that. It was
0: pretty good, Game Night. But I mean, definitely, I mean, her performance in this is so good. I don't yeah. know why it's being overlooked. Yeah, she is good
1: in Game Night. I think the two of them should be a couple in Game Night too, <laughs> <laughs> And then we're on to something bigger. So. That like is, yeah, pitch I like that I like one, it. definitely. <laughs> Uh, My number two film is Isle of Dogs. Uh, Wes Anderson stunningly animated in his weird uh, avant art style. I don't even know how he does it, but it is awesome looking, Um, and it's just the story of these dogs who get thrown on like a trash trash island. (laughs) On uh, a trash island. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, they work hard to survive, and their master uh one of their masters comes uh and tries to track them down and man it's just so much fun all the way through i i was not a huge fantastic mr fox fan but uh this um i think he's been on such a roll wes anderson since grand budapest um you know between that moonrise and this like what a pleasure this was to watch and uh, i'll probably watch it again soon absolutely i love that movie
2: I uh, don't like any Wes Anderson movies. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'll say about it. Uh, Josh doesn't like joy.
0: (laughs) So, so true. Right on. Uh, Okay, well, my number two is one we've talked about already, but it's First Reformed, um, which, uh, I mean... I don't really know what else I could say about Sorry, it. One on
1: all three worlds Yeah, yep, there
0: you go. Um, uh, also, great cinematography in the crop frame. We didn't really talk about that, but uh, yeah, no. Overall, it's just such a good movie. Um, uh, such an amazing performance and performances, and just
1: awesome all around.
2: Great, great year for Academy Ratio. Also. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Homecoming on Amazon. If you watch that,
1: I was really confused by that when i started watching it because i didn't know that and Yeah. I'm like what what is happening everywhere? right you know, so. right
2: yeah well it's definitely not it's not a common thing people are so used to that you're trying to adjust the yeah. settings or why something.
1: did they do, do did he have a reason for doing that i for mean reason? i'm sure
2: he did i don't know what he said specifically yeah. but yeah. it gives you that kind of claustrophobic feel right. i think yeah. uh, i mean i know like sam esmell on homecoming uses it for that pretty well um but uh yeah i mean in, and i think in cold war it's more like the classical feel of it you know movies were made in that aspect ratio all the way up through the 50s sure and so it gives you that sense of oh this is like timeless or is 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 yeah. old in some way
1: vice was playing with that a lot too i thought
2: uh vice when oh, they were doing like the flashbacks right stuff. right yeah 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 that's not a good movie uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, is it my turn? Yeah, number one. For number one. one. (laughs) Oh, yeah, let's pound on the table, drum roll. So, is another movie that we talked about on the Piecing It Together podcast? Mm. It's Thoroughbreds, Corey Finley's uh, debut. Um, which I watched again and I was worried cause I saw this in like March sure. and loved it. And then it's just stayed at the top of my list the whole year. And then I got to the end of the year and I thought, what if it's not as good? And it just kind of like stuck there, but I did watch it again. And I think I liked it even more the second time. The writing in this movie is just so, so witty and so sharp and biting and not only the dialogue, but the way that it's plotted all the way up to the point where like the final line in this movie just really like snaps everything into place, Um, Anya Taylor-Joy and Olivia Cooke are both great as these two teenage girls who plot a murder and are kind of manipulating each other in ways that they both do, do and don't understand throughout the film. Um, the cinematography, just the way that he sets up all the shots. There's a lot of these long roving takes through the the big cavernous house that Anya Taylor-Joy's character lives in, but also like he gives you like an emotional reveal via a rack focus. You know, just like <laughs> it's not just as the writing is so good, but the direction, and that's rare for someone in their first film. So uh, yeah, I think this movie is great. And another movie that maybe didn't get much attention, but hopefully people will see uh, at home.
0: Yeah, it was my number one uh, back earlier in the year when we first saw it. And, yeah, it's such a great movie. It it now is sitting comfortably at 11 for me. But, uh, yeah, no, it's excellent for all the reasons you were just saying. And, um, uh it's it's a movie that I'm looking forward to going back to hopefully soon, and I'm sure it's gonna hold up like you said it did for you. Yeah,
2: Jason fell asleep while we were. But watching that's
1: it. not that's <laughs> again that's not fair. I like the movie. You were just tired. I was I was ex- again. There are times as a single dad, you're exhausted. I am excited to watch it again. I did like it, and you know it's what gets compared to Heather's a lot, and who doesn't love Heather's? So.
2: <laughs> yeah, I agree. I love Heather's so. I want to watch it again.
1: My number one is a film called Mission Impossible Fallout. It's also the dog's number one. (laughs) Um, I was just mesmerized the whole time. Every action sequence was like the best version of that action sequence I've ever seen. Tom Cruise, like, 106 takes going off the – jumping off the plane where you had two minutes a day to do it. You know, like – insanity, you know, breaking his ankle on the jumps and continuing. That man loves to run. (laughs) Yes, he does. (laughs) So look, yeah, like, I don't, the stories work fine. Uh, He's obviously Tom Cruise, big, big action star. It's just the best popcorn movie ever and if you argued that that's the best action movie you've ever seen, I'd be like that's a great argument. That is an awesome movie. I loved it all the way through. Number one for me. Beautiful. Did not fall asleep during. <laughs> <laughs> I, I
0: know you don't care about the theater as much as I do, but did you see it in yeah? Of course, cor- yeah,
1: I saw it at the Galaxy. So yeah, that Beautiful. that is the type of movie you would want to see in yeah, a theater, you know. Absolutely, so, um, and just yeah, just I was uh, like awestruck. My my jaw—that is <laughs> yeah. a real jaw dropper—the way they do those action sequences. And uh, and uh, the guy ga- who's Tom Cruise is like frenemy in that movie henry cavill. cavill yeah really kind of a strange macho character he puts out there yeah kind strange. of fun so. yeah yeah
0: <laughs> right on well yeah i obviously agree Good with movie. you um and my number one is isle of dogs Which yeah, yeah, yeah. i uh i'm glad you brought it up too because i was like am i gonna be the only person to bring up Isle of dogs um yeah but uh i i love this movie i I almost, like, I've joked around about this before that it doesn't count because of these guys. Like, it, it's like this movie is, like, made for me dogs and stop-motion animation and that kind of Wes Anderson-style humor. I mean, it's like they practically made this movie for me. Um, so, it's like, and the fact that it uh, that it delivered in a way that I would have hoped. And I just uh, rewatched it last night and um, just to make sure I really wanted it to be my number one. And sure enough, I was dying through the whole thing i just i love it and it's funny how um one thing i didn't notice the first time around but the second time i totally did is how uh how non-threatening everything is it's like just so sweet it's like such a sweet movie every time that there's something particularly that could be dark it's totally upended and ends
1: up being like just a, another joke another gag or something well, one thing I wanted to say is because Josh was mentioning about Cold War, how every frame could be like a piece of art. Oh yeah, you could you could say that with Isle of Dogs too. That was Definitely. just like anytime you want to just hit pause and look, and you're like, everything is perfectly crafted in that film. So,
2: yeah, I, I mean, well, well, I won't get into why I <laughs> don't like any Wes Anderson movies, but I, I will say that that's actually part of the reason. <laughs> <laughs> if, he, if only he was Polish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also don't like dogs. so oh. it's not a movie. Doesn't me. I mean you can't
1: like a movie. <laughs> no, that this. is
2: true. That is true. But, uh, but I'm, you know, I'm not extra inclined. Like when there's a movie, I just watched a movie last night, and I was reading all these reviews about how it has like the cutest baby. Mm. Uh, in cinema and I just spent the whole time wanting the baby to shut up and go away. what movie was it it's a Lebanese movie called Capernaum which is on the Oscar shortlist for foreign film totally irrelevant to this discussion (laughs) and not a very good movie I don't think but it has a cute baby in it apparently all right
0: well I think we have enough time you guys want to do uh, just three extra moments within uh, the movies this year we will uh, go through and do this Um, let's uh, jump back to you Josh for a favorite movie moment.
2: Uh, All right. Well, so I'm going to start with a moment from a movie that I actually didn't like uh, overall. But at the point that this moment happened, I loved it. So (laughs) it was kind of an evolution of my thought process on this movie. Uh, But the movie is Tully, and the moment is towards the beginning is the montage of Charlize Theron's character kind of trying to care for her newborn. And I'm not a parent, but uh, Jason maybe could identify with this more. But even as someone who doesn't have a child, like watching that sequel, made me feel the like utter exhaustion and repetition of what she had to go through. And just the way that it's it's framed by Jason Reitman, the director, um, to kind of give you that, you know, the shots that are similar, repetitive over and over again with this, just the slight variations to just have you understand the passage of time. And so just within a few moments, a few, I don't know how long it is, but you know, just probably a couple minutes at most, you just understand this character absolutely perfectly and what she needs and how exhausted she is. And that, that catapults the rest of the plot, sure. which again, I didn't care for uh, where it ended up. But at that moment, I was like, wow, This is really amazing. If we had a podcast
1: for most disappointing movies of the year, that would probably be... (laughs) And and I would
2: agree with you. Yeah, it was ultimately very disappointing.
0: I liked it overall, but I mean, I didn't love it though. No, you didn't. (laughs) All right, Jason.
1: I mean, well, so we were talking about... We were just talking about Mission Impossible, and I think just that sequence of him jumping from the plane, and if you watch the two-and-a-half-minute piece on the New York Times website on how how just insane it is that they shot this thing, like it's uh, a technical achievement, it's an acting achievement, it's a a technological achievement, it's just a cinematic achievement so yeah. that to me is uh that's one of my moments there. Yeah, I was
0: watching the behind the scenes thing uh he was saying about how like you wouldn't think that the audience would be able to tell that it's real and you know but you can and they're right. I mean, you really kind of can. That, like there's something about it where it's just like it's just crazy while you're watching it. It's
2: just Yeah, I was at CinemaCon when uh, Tom Cruise and Chris McQuarrie came out and I hadn't seen the movie because the movie hadn't come out, but they did a whole like half hour presentation just about that sequence and all of the stuff that went into it. And it's like, honestly, after watching that and their discussion of everything that could have gone wrong, I thought... Tom Cruise is just gonna die. He's just gonna like <laughs> Mission Impossible 7 is gonna be like the death of Tom Cruise. But
1: you know, the other thing about that is like a lot of these action sequences, if you saw like a, a half hour presentation, you'd be like, all right, we get it. It's an action sequence. Right. This one I feel like you'd be riveted all the way through. Right, right. Yeah. I mean,
2: I don't again, I'm not I'm not there with you guys on that on that as a whole, but uh it was pretty outstanding to to see what went into making that
0: all right uh so my first uh moment that i'm going to mention uh is actually from aquaman and it is the uh i don't know if you guys saw it yet but it's it's the moment where is the black manta battle where uh black manta is fighting aquaman across all these buildings and just crashing through walls and all that kind of stuff and then uh, mira is being chased by other ones with uh, with laser guns and stuff and it's totally ridiculous it's so over the top But it's like, to me, it's like the ultimate like comic book movie moment. Like it's so insane, which is basically why I liked Aquaman because it's completely unhinged and insane the whole time. Um,
2: But this is, I think, the craziest moment
0: (laughs) of an otherwise insane movie.
2: Yeah, it is uh, pretty – I mean, you could pick, like, uh, almost any moment from that movie, and it would just be the craziest. (laughs) It's so true. Like, my favorite moment in Aquaman is when the octopus plays the drums. (laughs) That was the best (laughs) part. That moment
0: does Um, rule. You know, but yeah,
2: I mean, I thought Aquaman was too much, and I wasn't crazy about it. But, I mean, it is totally nuts, and – you have to mention that in that scene, I believe it's in that sequence, uh, Mira creates knives out of wine yes, that yes, she like a- sucks out of some barrels and then shoots at the bad guys. <laughs> it's so incredible. it's pretty nuts. <laughs>
0: that, so, to, so that it's good can really go wrong. This is just the perfect version of so bad the, it's good to me. <laughs> it was something.
2: Um, So my next moment is from a movie that I mentioned, so I won't have to, um, you know, I won't belabor it. But there's a moment in the middle of Cold War uh, where uh, Joanna Kulig's character uh, just kind of dances and cuts loose to rock around the clock. And it's a moment in time when uh, rock and roll is just coming up and they've been kind of jazz musicians and folk musicians, the characters at Up till that point in the movie, and so it it, it signals this kind of historical transition, but it's also a way to understand her character and how frustrated she is at the moment with her lover. And it's shot mostly in one take as she's in this uh, kind of smoky nightclub, and you just see her gradually like build this energy and let everything out and all the tension that she's had. And it's a it's a great set piece, like. I don't know if it's exactly in the middle, maybe a little further towards the end, but it's an important turning point in the movie that's done great with the music.
1: I haven't seen it. Before. We haven't seen it. Before. Yeah. No, I know that. <laughs> that's but it. I will say- you like, should see it. <laughs> well, there's, you know, and this wasn't one of my moments, but, and I'm very much on the record as not liking Roma, but, you know, and I know Roma and Cold War get compared because-
2: Cause um, they're both in black and white and they're
1: the directors are friends and it's about their childhoods kind of stuff. So. But there's that sequence in Roma where they go shopping and then the, you know, kind of riots hit and everything like that. And it's taking a very mundane, um, normal moment and then becomes like a larger than life thing and has lasting consequences on the characters. And, uh, just the sweeping cinematography I, until I saw the favorite, I thought Roma should have won best cinematography this year, but, um, so I'll give Roma that, but that wasn't my <laughs> moment.
2: So this one, it is. I, well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I also, I think I liked Roma a little more than you did, but I wasn't crazy about it. And, but yeah, the cinematography and the sound design in Roma. And because we yeah. were able to see it with the Dolby, the Atmos, or whatever, you really get that like immersive sound design. Sorry, Dave. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: Stat- you know, statistically speaking, uh, one of us should have had it on our top ten list, but I'm su- really surprised none of us did. So. <laughs> um,
1: my number two moment, and I had so many different moments I could pick from, um, is from a documentary, and the reason I did that is because what a great year for documentaries, you know, there's so many good documentaries. And the one I'm picking is the, basically the ascent up, uh, uh, the mountain in free solo, you know, because, um, not only had that never been done as a free climber before, but the actual, and it's in the movie, they talk about how they have to set the cameras to, um, not just capture the moment, but not get in the climber's way. like, unbelievable again like really really smart fantastic filmmaking and uh you know keeps you kind of on the edge of your seat as the kids say um tons of great documentaries this year that is one of them and that um that's just a good just an awesome movie moment so
2: yeah and talking about mission impossible and like technological achievements just the fact that they could capture it and they allow you to see the whole thing is is kind of amazing
0: right on um so my next movie moment is from the movie Upgrade, when uh, he first gets his, uh, <laughs> his ability to uh, to uh, fight with his whatever the hell it is. <laughs> it's just pure ridiculous cinema. I, it's so much fun, and I, I could tell from Josh's uh, reaction, he probably didn't like this movie too much.
2: I thought this movie was so stupid, <laughs> yeah. and I like people loved this movie, and it was just the most idiotic piece of but i can see I that you know you I, like I can, it so i can see where
0: you're coming from but uh yeah i i had a blast with this freaking movie <laughs> i mean what did you see it jason no but i would watch it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no i i thought it was uh such a fun movie and that that first scene that first like main action scene was just so ridiculous and so much fun Uh, It 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 outdid uh, Venom, you know, as far as being the same story. It was a much better version of Venom.
2: Yeah, and the actors look the same, too. Yeah, they totally do. do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I didn't like either one, but I guess I I might prefer it to Venom. All right. Uh, I'll give you that. All right. (laughs) Um, So, my last movie moment is from Suspiria. And it is, I wrote, when I wrote it down, I wrote murder by dance. <laughs> and it's the scene where uh, Dakota Johnson's character is being directed by Tilda Swinton's character to go through this very intense choreography. Meanwhile, in another room, via sorcery, every movement movement that Dakota Johnson makes is like breaking the bones of this other character who's being punished for kind of finding out too much. And as you watch this like the beautiful, intense, and very well choreographed dance. And then it it's cross-cut with this like the great great sound design with the oh, bone yeah. crunching in this movie. <laughs> um uh to see this character just like and every time you think you're like, okay, well, she's gotta be dead by now. No, there's another contortion yeah. that they can put her body <laughs> through to further mangle her. And it's is it's probably the scariest moment in that movie. And even though there's like the climax, which is like just got oceans of blood i felt like that moment was more intense
0: it was also really long it just kept going right It just kept breaking yeah. yeah
1: with that
2: said i'm surprised
1: and i don't know how much i can say about it if you haven't seen it that you didn't mention the sequence where natalie portman uh in annihilation kind of meets next level natalie Portman. right that's a very memorable sequence. That was right. pretty wild.
2: yeah it is too i mean that's that's more sort of like Haunting and beautiful, and this was very like gross, right? Uh, right. But like, in a, in a, I don't, I don't like just super gross out horror where you know, just like again, like oceans of blood, but um, yeah, I mean, that sequence in Annihilation is very good as well,
1: yeah. Uh, my third one is a fun one. It's baby Jack-Jack learning about all his superpowers in The Incredibles 2. <laughs> it's just so much fun, and he's fighting raccoons, and he can laser-eye people and turn into giant Jack-Jack and shoot fire and do all these crazy fun things. And, uh, you know, um, I love taking my daughter to the movie, so that's just a fun one for me and Scarlet this year where we laughed a lot together.
0: Nice. That's awesome. Uh, my last uh, movie moment is Tony Collette in Hereditary saying, all I do is worry, enslave, and defend you, and all I get back is that fucking face on your face, which I just think is so great. Um, The movie uh, missed my top ten, but uh, that performance is, I would say, my favorite performance of the year uh, among all movies, pretty much.
2: I can't believe you picked that movie, and you didn't pick the moment in that movie. When... But don't ruin
1: it, because I haven't seen it in some of your listeners. Either. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, but We'll talk about it uh, afterwards. So the
0: one moment it. in that yeah. movie. Yeah, that yeah. one other moment. That yeah. one other insane moment. Which, yeah. were,
1: which <laughs> we're going to watch, because you didn't ruin it. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, right on. That brings us to the end of this Uh guys thanks so much for being here Uh, we'll start with you Josh Uh, you got anything you want to plug or recommend or both oh well
2: we just recommended a bunch of stuff so I didn't realize I needed another recommendation I guess you don't
0: need there's a Uh, lot of movies for people to catch up yeah Yeah. but you know
2: I'll plug my various things Uh, follow me on Twitter at Signal Bleed Uh, follow me on Facebook at Josh Bell hates everything Go to JoshBellHatesEverything.com and you can read my top 10 list in case you wanted to do it that way instead and some other honorable mentions and picks for best performances of the year uh, as well as my list of my top 10 movies from other years that I saw for the first time this year. So that's a lot.
1: Awesome. And Jason? Uh, on Facebook and Twitter, Jason, or Jay Harris Comedy. On Instagram, Jason. No. Yeah, Jason <laughs> Harris Comedy. <laughs> Look up Jason Harris Comedy or Jay Harris Comedy on any of those. I think Jason Harris Comedy on Instagram, Jay Harris Comedy on the other two. Uh, but I will plug something that Josh and I worked on together that's coming out. Uh, last year, or 2017, I had a, uh, a web series called The Defeated that we released on Facebook that did uh, well. Josh and I just co-wrote a web series. And Dave, you, uh, you get a plug too, uh, called Copper Creek, and it's 8... Episodes all set in an apartment complex, uh, different little stories. Each one is self-contained. Um, and, um, they all take place in Copper Creek. Josh co-wrote most of them. Dave did the music for most of them. I wrote, uh, co-wrote, directed, produced all of them. So, uh, I'm excited. That's coming out in January and, uh, facebook.com backslash Copper Creek show.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, thanks guys. And, uh, We've got a whole bunch of new movies coming soon. Get you guys on the show again soon, hopefully. Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why
2: are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Our viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots. Or maybe it's because docs
0: f***ing rule. And follow us on social media at Subdoc
2: All
0: right, so that does it for this episode of Piecing It Together, and also does it for this year, 2018. Uh, this is a year that started off a little bit slow. But, man, there ended up being a lot of great movies this year. It was another good year of movies, and I'm looking forward to 2019. I want to thank all of you out there who have been listening to the show. I want to thank everyone who has been on this show, all of the guest co-hosts that we've had, including Josh and Jason, um, but everybody else as well. Thank you all so much for making the show happen. Uh, We're really enjoying doing it, and I'm looking forward to doing more episodes coming up here soon. And, uh, yeah, new year, lots of new movies. And, you know, one other thing I just found out this morning that uh, my music video, uh, the virtual reality one, Palindrome 360, it actually was written up in uh, Forbes their website the uh, best VR music videos of 2018 which is such an awesome honor and uh, to celebrate that I guess for a piece of music to close this episode out on, I'm going to play you guys Palindrome from my most recent album A Different Kind of Dream. I'm going to have more music coming out in 2018 along with more episodes of Piecing It Together. Thanks as always for listening and if you are not yet, you can subscribe on your podcast app of choice. You can also follow us on social media at PiecingPod and you can join our Facebook group, which I would really love it if you did. Uh, Piecing It Together, a movie discussion group. We have all kinds of fun conversations conversations about movies in there we continue the conversation that we start here on the show so definitely join the group and i'm looking forward to talking to you guys all in the new year